Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Number one, pursuing your heavenly father. Pursuing your heavenly father. Verse seven, Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. Um, just, yeah, here we go. Keep on asking. Jesus is speaking here. I used to put it in red, but you can't see it very well. So Jesus is speaking, trust me. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. The door will be open to you. Are you visualizing that? Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So at first glance, this appears to be a good verse for teaching about prayer. We often use this verse about prayer. In fact, uh, the New Living Translation, which typically gets it right on, uh, they, they have this titled, you realize that the subtitles are, are the, the titles, what do you call it? Anyways, they've titled this section Effective Prayer. Uh, so, so we like the idea of ask and you will receive. Oh, that's good. Yeah, ask and you will receive. Name it and claim it, right? Seek and you will find. Guaranteed success. That's positive. Let's teach this about prayer. And then knock and the door will be open to you. We can apply this to a variety of situations. That's why we like this. It's kind of this promise that God's going to do whatever we ask for. Church people, church people, not any of us, have used this verse to demand that God is bound to answering their requests for healing. I know I'm on a line here. I'm on a verge of messing with your theology. Maybe I've already crossed that line. Sometimes church people use this verse to demand that God is bound to answering their requests for things like healing or financial gain, even salvation of loved ones, circumstances to resolve in their favor, on and on and on. We use these two verses to put, put the power of prayer in our hands. I want you to hold on to that for a second. We use these verses to put the power of prayer in our hands. These verses say, if I ask, I will receive. So God, I'm asking you better do it. God must give me what I want because these verses say, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. I have a question. I'm the, I'm the preacher's kid in the bunch. You know, I've heard this taught preached a lot. And so I'm like, wait a second. Time out. Have you ever asked God for something, sincerely prayed, and he still didn't give you what you asked for? I mean, I assume that you have. I have. I've prayed for things that Jesus, God did not grant to me. He didn't answer my prayer. Maybe, maybe when you prayed and asked, you didn't keep on asking, right? You just asked once and let it go. You weren't, you weren't persistent enough. Maybe you didn't ask correctly. If this passage is a teaching on prayer, then obviously you didn't seek hard enough. 
Maybe you need to be more aggressive in your seeking. I know, maybe you need to, this is a preacher thing, maybe you need to knock, right? Because there's a progression there. Ask, seek, and knock. Bang on the doors of the kingdom of God. You must, I'm going to biblicize this, all right? You must enter before the throne of God and make your petition known. Let God know what it is you think you need. Pray louder. Pray longer. I have a Pentecostal background, so praying longer is part of it. Pray with more energy. Pray with more passion. We even went through a phase of you got to pray standing up because there's more authority. If you kneel down, there's less authority in your prayer. I try not to get angry while I'm preaching, but anyway. Try praying in the King James Version because that makes it more powerful, right? You got to use the these and the thous. Lord, I beseech thee my request. And God goes, oh, yes, absolutely. You use the right translation. <laughs> Things like that. And if you still don't have what you want and have asked God for, then obviously you're not asking with enough faith. You need more faith because if only you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could speak to the mountain and it'd be moved. Can I just say... What a circus. I'm calling it out. <laughs> what a circus. Listen to me, church. God doesn't answer your prayer because you didn't ask correctly or because you don't have enough faith. I've said it before. Look at the Old Testament prayers. Those are the worst prayers in the whole history of Christianity, and God answered them. You okay? God doesn't answer your prayer because you didn't ask correctly or because you don't have enough faith. This text is not a formula for prayer. I will concede that asking, keep on asking, is a reference to communication to God, and we would call that prayer. However, seeking and knocking are not necessarily actions of prayer. I'm going to drink coffee while you hold on to that. I don't think you heard me. Got to find it. Seeking and knocking are not necessarily actions of prayer. Jesus is not teaching about prayer in this section of the Sermon on the Mount. He is teaching, listen very carefully, he is teaching about the nature of our relationship with God. Jesus is teaching that the believer's relationship with God is characterized by perpetual pursuit of God based on trust and dependence upon our Heavenly Father. Not only do I believe in God, but I also believe He is all I've got and I have to have Him. It's not about I want God, which I think is a very American approach to Christianity. It is about I need God. I don't ask because this is the way we pray. I ask because I know who God is and I know that, well, that's another part of my sermon. The believer lives always in need of the Father to sustain him. The believer lives 
always in need of the Father to sustain him continually in pursuit of God the Father. Let's look back at our text now. He says, keep on asking. I, actually, the New Living Translation is a very solid translation there. I like it. They, they hit it out of the ballpark. Without getting into a long lesson about verb tense, we must understand that this instruction is not a one-time request. He says, keep on asking, okay? Neither is it badgering God, keep on asking. It's not badgering God over and over with the same request until he finally gives in because you've annoyed him. Sometimes we use this text to teach. If you pray enough, if you're repetitive enough, if you annoy God enough, he'll finally give you what you're asking for. I don't think that's a correct use of this text. The fact of the matter is, asking, seeking, and knocking are all in a verb tense that is perpetual. These verbs are constant in the life of the believer. See, that's important because sometimes we do this little thing where I went to church, I got saved, I'm good, I'm done, thank you, Jesus. I'll see y'all in heaven, otherwise I'm going to the lake. Or wherever it is you go, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I just, now you know where I think about going sometimes. Some Sunday mornings, I'm mid-hooking up the boat and Diane's like, you gotta go to church. <laughs> this asking, seeking, and knocking doesn't stop just because now I'm saved, I quit. No, 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 it's perpetual. It's a characteristic of the believer. The verbs are constant in the life of the believer. These are characteristics of the nature of one who is dependent dependent upon God for all things and who is constantly in pursuit of God. Well, Brent, I said the sinner's prayer. Isn't that good enough? It's kind of like going to a barbecue place and saying, I smelled the barbecue. Is that not good enough? Some of you didn't under, understand my illustration. That's a wonderful illustration. I smelled it. That was great. I'm going to go home now. Here's 50 bucks. Oh, we do that to God. No, 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 no. Asking, seeking, and knocking are not an escalating progression of prayer in order to get our prayers answered. Asking, seeking, and knocking are characteristics of our relationship with God. We are continually learning and growing in our relationship with God, continuing to discover God more. That's why I push soap in reading your Bible on a regular basis because that's the best way to discover God is to read your scriptures. So we're asking God questions, asking for direction, asking for clarification, just asking questions. We're seeking to know and understand God more. We're knocking on God's door because we know that he is the only one who can provide for us, who can fill that void in our soul. Yeah, there's a sense of urgency to it, but it's not for an answered prayer. It's to know God and to be with him. I believe that this knocking, this keep on knocking and the door will be open is a simple metaphor pointing back to the Beatitudes. That's why I started there. This keep on knocking and the door will be open is a metaphor pointing back to the Beatitudes. Knock in the door of the kingdom of God and God will open the door 
And the blessings, listen carefully, the blessings of all of heaven will be poured out on you. I'm not sure we really believe that. We still have this thing in the back of our souls that say, when I get it right, then maybe God will bless me. And that's not true. It's not true at all. We knock on the, key, the door of the kingdom of God. God himself opens the door and the blessings of all of heaven are poured out onto us. Sometimes we attempt to reduce our relationship with God to a single prayer or to a single moment or a single feeling. Asking, seeking, knocking are not a formula for more effective prayer. They are the ongoing behavior of one who has realized they, their complete need for God's grace and presence. Good preaching, Brent. It is. Yes. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to give you another chance to say amen. Because I don't think you got it the first time. I know sometimes you get quiet because you're thinking. That's perfectly fine. I would rather you be thinking than saying amen, okay? Just clarify here. Asking, seeking, knocking are not a formula for more effective prayer. They are the ongoing behavior of those of us who realize our complete need for God's grace and our need for God's presence in our lives. We know we can't stop pursuing God. It is out of dependence and self-abandonment that we ask and seek and knock. We desperately pursue God. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about priorities. Um, if we make God our only priority, then he will, actually, I think I taught it as if we make God our, our top priority, our first and most important priority, uh, then he will provide all these other things for us. Um, he says all in the scriptures, he says all, not just spiritual things, but our physical things as well. In Matthew chapter 6.33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. That's what it says. Seek first the kingdom, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and when you do seek God and his righteousness, then all these things are, the word is, given to you. Jesus has already instructed us on what we are supposed to be seeking. What are we supposed to be seeking? His kingdom. His righteousness. Jesus also told us what we'd receive when we pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. He said, you'll receive all these things will be given to you as well. And Jesus had been speaking about clothing, shelter, and food. Jesus is not amending here in chapter 7, verse yeah, chapter 7, verse 7. He's not amending his previous teaching or the, in the text. We pursue God, we pursue God, and he provides. Really pretty simple. Well, but Brent, sometimes we have to do more than just pursue God. We gotta, you know, help God out. Priorities, sweetheart. 
Because I love it whenever people say, I'm gonna put my faith in God, but then I'm gonna take care of some things myself because it always gets out of balance. And it's like, why? I I don't have time to, oh, I'm just gonna jump off of the diving board here. I don't have time to read my scriptures because I'm busy taking care of the important things in my life. Jesus is priority, I just don't have time for him. Serving God and pursuing the kingdom of heaven is absolutely the most important thing But right now, I've got to raise my kids and work and go to the mall and run around and I don't know, whatever it is you do, I don't know. But but yeah, the kingdom of God is important. I just am busy doing other things. I like the amens there. (laughs) We are perpetually pursuing God, our heavenly father, who desires, I'm gonna back up. I think I transitioned too fast. If my mind doesn't keep up, I'm assuming your mind doesn't keep up either. We are perpetually pursuing God, our heavenly father, who desires to give good gifts. I want you to believe that. Don't look for a formula. It's very simple. We just trust in him with all we are, and that gets us to number two. No, we're doing good. Just trust in him with all you are. That gets us to number two, your heavenly father's generosity. Jesus uses analogy in uh, verses nine, and, nine, 10, and 11. He uses this, uh, this illustration uh, of God's readiness to bless his children, all right? God's got this, Jesus has got this analogy. It's gonna illustrate God's readiness to bless his children. Again, I think that in modern Christianity, uh, we have this resistance. And then there's, there's a resistance to God blessing us. And then there's this twisted thing where we just are totally entitled. And because I'm a child of God, God gives me whatever I want. Uh, I can slam on both of those pretty good, okay? So here we go. He says, in verse 9, Jesus says, Your par- you parents, you parents, all of us who are parents, you're going to understand this. If your children ask you for a loaf of bread... Do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So, so the general idea is how absurd it would be to think that if your child is hungry, that you would give them a stone or a snake to eat. Absolutely absurd. And then you gotta love Jesus. Usually we put this on Paul for being so direct, but here Jesus, in verse 11, he says, so if you sinful people, thank you, Jesus, so glad we came to church this morning. I feel better about myself now. (laughs) So if you pagan heathens who are filled with sin headed straight to hell where there's nothing good inside of you, If you know how to give good gifts, you see there's a repetition there. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, these are important words, how much more? If you're an evil, good-for-nothing sinner and you can still bless your children with something to eat, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Wow. Seems like you never even read that scripture before, huh? 
If sinful people give good, you ever get a good gift? Sometimes at Christmas you get a whole bunch of gifts. You're like, yeah, that's a gift. Oh, that's a good gift. If sinful people, sorry, nobody's ever going to give me a gift again. It's like Brent is hyper judgmental about his, you know, somebody every once in a while gives you a gift that you didn't know you wanted. And when you got it, it's like, oh, I needed that. Touch my soul. If sinful people give good gifts, how much more, assuming that we believe in a God who has your best interest at heart, okay? Now, if you believe that God's just out to get you, you're gonna have a hard time believing that he's gonna give you good gifts. But if we believe that God has your best interest at heart, how much more likely is our heavenly father going to give you good gifts? Do you trust that God is a good God? Yes, we, for the most part, we do. Do you believe that he is willing and able to give good gifts? Yes. Listen to me. Then, if we believe that God is a good God and we believe that he is willing and able, then you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to worry about. A good, all-powerful God has got you covered. I'm just gonna drink coffee while you think about that. Because I, can, I feel the resistance in your heart. Well, Brand, yeah, but. No, there's no buts. If we believe that God is a loving God, we put our trust in him, he's all powerful and he's willing to give you good gifts, then why are we sitting around worrying about what he's doing or not doing? I think it might be because we don't actually believe that he's God and we still think that we are God. So if I could step in, I could fix what God's not doing. No, you can't, sweetheart. Who is this God in heaven who cares for me? Who is this eternal being who will give good things to me when I have done nothing to deserve them? Who is this God who would offer me grace whenever even he acknowledges in the text that I'm a sinner? Why would a perfectly holy God reach out to my unholy good-for-nothingness? I was looking for another word there, but I wasn't gonna say what was in my brain. Contrary to perfect belief, I do edit in my brain. Whoever this God is who would send his son to die on the cross in my place to shed his blood to give my sorry keister eternal life, that is the God that I want to know. Amen. See how that works? If he's going to offer me unreasonable grace, this is a God I desire to pursue. Now, there's this question of what is a good gift? You're going to appreciate this. What is a good gift? Well, in our own self-confidence, we like to, in our own self-confidence, we like to inform God of what we need, right? We are not asking, knocking, and seeking for the purpose of receiving some shiny object. Not in this text. We're not knocking, we're not asking and knocking and seeking for a shiny object. We are asking, 
We are seeking and knocking so that we can know the God of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus promises that when we ask, when we knock, when we seek the God of heaven, then we will receive, the door will be opened, and we will find. It's really pretty simple. We pursue God, and he opens the door wide open, and he blesses us. He gives us good gifts. I don't know of a better gift than to know and to be present with the God of heaven. Don't get me wrong. I think that there are physical elements to this. Uh, I think that God is answering physical needs as well. He's taking care of physical needs, not just spiritual things. And so, so I'm, not, I'm not throwing out physical things completely. Uh, God blesses us with all kinds of things. As a dad, I understand I love to give my kids things just because it makes them happy. So sometimes they don't need something, but I want them to have it, and I think it'll make them smile, and so I'm happy to give them that to them. And then, as a grandparent, <laughs> hallelujah, <laughs> you, you've not even come to life until you have a grandkid. I'm sorry. I didn't realize until I became a grandparent. But that, that desire to give and bless other people, tell, say amen if this is the truth, grandparents. Let me finish my statement first. That desire to give and bless as a grandparent grows exponentially from being a parent. It does. So, you know, I thought my kids moved out of the house and they're grown up and they get jobs. I'm like, I'm gonna have all the money in the world now. And now Amazon calls us and they say, uh, we just got one more new toy. You've bought every other toy on Amazon. Uh, we, have, we have one you haven't bought, Brent. And, and then before the conversation's over, there's a ding and it's like, oh, your, your wife already got it. Sorry for the phone call. It's all taken care of. <laughs> it's in the mail. It'll be there in three to six months. Yeah. Because that's a grandparent's heart is just, you just want to bless those little snot rags. They're wonderful. I sincerely believe that God wants to bless you with fun and shiny things too. I do. But he is not, here's my, here's my, my qualifier. But God is not going to allow the things of this world to get in the way of the things of the kingdom of heaven. I mean, we do that as parents and grandparents. We understand that. Even as sinful people, we understand we're not gonna give a gift that we like that's gonna cause harm to our children or our grandchildren. God wants to bless you. I believe that with all my heart. He wants to bless you with all of these goodness. We look at the patriarchs of the Old Testament. They were blessed, even with physical things. They were blessed but God's not gonna mess up your eternal life by blessing you with temporal things. God is a good father. We sing it, we sing it kind of flippantly. Ah, oh, that's nice. No, no, no. God really is a good father. He is going to, God is going to give you good gifts, not just the gifts you want. He's gonna give you good gifts by his qualification of what is good. Gifts that benefit you first for eternity and first for your relationship with him. He is not going to give you things that distract you 
from growing in your knowledge and understanding of who he is. God gives good gifts. We seek first. Here's our responsibility in this. We seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. We're not out trying to, if we make enough money, God will be impressed. If I keep the law enough, he'll be impressed. No, we just, we just seek him with all that we are. We seek the kingdom of heaven with all we are. We seek his righteousness. Then all these other less important things are given to us because our heavenly father wants to give us good gifts. Now here's my challenge. Don't wait until you're in need to seek God. I've, I've been a pastor for a couple of years. My gray shows it, right? People, uh, they kind of uh, try Jesus. We used to sing a hymn called Try Jesus. And it's like, it's like just, just get a little bit of Jesus. You don't have to dive right in. You don't have to give it all. Just, just try Jesus a little bit. So I watch in, in church work in the kingdom of God, and sometimes people want to dip their toe in. They just want to try Christianity a little bit, and they think, oh, this is going to be good, and this is going to be okay. And, and then tragedy strikes their home, and they call, and they're like, pray for me. And I'm like, what do you want me to pray for you? And they don't know exactly what they want me to pray for because they haven't sought God. So they don't know what God does. They don't know who God is. So, so how do I pray to a God I don't know? I don't know. So I'm telling you, seek God today so that when that time of tragedy comes, you know who you're praying to and you know how to pray. Don't wait until you're in need to seek God. Seek to know God now. Seek God perpetually. There's no need to wait until life is bad to begin putting God first in your life. You can avoid, I say this with all seriousness, you can, you can avoid a lot of suffering by simply prioritizing God above all else. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.